This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. All this week on the Daily Detail, I have been featuring two Alabama stories each day that received the most views and readings in 2023 on the 1819 News website. The countdown started with number 10 and will end with the number one story on New Year's Day. For Friday, we are going to start out with stories four and three. Number four broke out months before Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed was to seek re-election. It occurred when a person who had interacted with Reed in the past also secretly recorded him in a tirade against black voters, the governor, and Maxwell Air Force Base. The secret audio was then posted on YouTube months before Reed's re-election bid. 1819 News reporter Craig Munger was made aware of the audio and wrote about it. The audio has also been included within the website article. I'm not going to have one fucking conversation with the governor. I'm losing the governor about the national government. Guess what? I don't know nobody who's going to have to go. Except for people I have to meet as, as a mayor. I don't know nobody there. So if that shit is so important to y'all, then y'all better do shit as important to me. Despite the angry words and profanity that Reed used, he did still get reelected in 2023. There were several challengers who jumped into the mayoral race to take on Reed. However, they were unsuccessful in unseating him as the mayor. The man who secretly recorded the mayor has never been confirmed, although Reed has accused one person of doing it. That person has denied it and has since proceeded to sue the mayor for defamation. It's not really clear where that case is at this point. And the third most read story in 2023 for 1819 News involves a good old redneck brawl. It occurred in Montgomery when the riverboat Harriet 2 tried to dock and unload its passengers, but could not because of some private boats that were in the way. When the riverboat's first mate approached the four men to ask them to move their boats, he was pushed several times. This then led to a push back and a scuffle started with the first mate and several of these men. Things went from bad to worse when the crew members on board the riverboat finally got to land and they went after the men who had assaulted their first mate. All of this, mind you, was being videotaped by dozens of individuals who had cell phones while they were on the riverboat and were standing by watching. The story ended up making national headlines, and of course, there was an attempt made by the mainstream media to put some sort of racial element and racial tension within the mix, but it really was about some boaters being stubborn and uncooperative. And this was all detailed by the riverboat captain, Jim Cottrell, who days later went on the Joey Clark News and Views radio program on 93.1 out of Montgomery. It was difficult for me to sit there in the wheelhouse watching him being attacked. and The whole time I'm on the PA, stop, stop. You know, the police are here. Stop. But there wasn't any stopping them. So once we get to the dock, and then that's when a little bit of the melee started, and finally the police got control of it. I'd imagine from just seeing what I saw on the tape that uh, the guys that you, all y'all who work together, y'all seem pretty tight. Like this isn't just a day job. Like these are folks that it's kind of a work family, right? Well, they're they're shipmates. Shipmates, you know, different than most jobs where people work together and go home you know some of these crew like we just went got back from bringing the boat back from mobile we were we were on there for uh, seven days all you know spend the night watching movies when we're doing the work getting the boat up you know being a being a team and i want to make a, one point i do want to make is sure. it's it wasn't a black and white thing i had i had every single white crew member male on the boat was on the dock 
I mean, it wasn't like, it, this, was a, this was our crew upset about these idiots. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, a massive national narrative that will be discussed for years to come in retrospect was, of course, COVID-19. The virus that we were all told was a once-in-a-hundred-years pandemic caused by some sort of freak transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus from bats to humans. The only problem with that narrative was the breakout occurred in an urbanized part of China, just miles from the only level four biolab in that country and not anywhere near the caves where the bats naturally lived, which was hundreds of miles away. The coincidence was just too non-coincidental to ignore. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, who is also a doctor, has been hot on the trail of finding out how the virus could cause such mayhem among humans as if it was designed to do just that, which is an effort called gain of function. It's the laboratory experimentation to increase the infectiousness and lethality of a virus to the human immune system. In the fall of this year, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul released a book that he wrote titled Deception. He talks about it on Fox Business with Maria Bartiroma and brings up the name Dr. Anthony Fauci and the National Institute of Health, as well as U.S. taxpayer money being used to fund this gain-of-function research. But there's also a certain amount of culpability in the Biden administration throughout several different departments, USAID, NIH, HHS. They're withholding documents because they funded the lab in Wuhan, not just once, not just twice, but for a decade they were funding. And we have Anthony Fauci on record as saying that even if a pandemic occurs, even if a gain of function research infects a scientist and a pandemic occurs, that the knowledge would be worth the risk. And I think most people who had a loved one die you know, from COVID either here or around the world would disagree and think Anthony Fauci made a disastrous judgment call, but he also took the research and it didn't go before the normal scrutiny. There's a safety committee that was supposed to review this, and Anthony Fauci allowed this research to be done at his signature, at his conclusion, at his approval, without the approval of the safety committee. And this, for, for, the, for this, he really should go down in history, perhaps as one of the worst people in public office ever and responsible for probably more deaths than other, any other individual in the medical world. Well, I mean, there was so much. Senator Paul believes that the COVID pandemic was part of a lab leak and that subsequent cover-up by the Chinese Communist government makes them culpable in how far COVID spread throughout the globe. However, if a person were watching leaders here in the U.S. very carefully, they would see the very same cover-up tactics occurring when it comes to a preventative measure for COVID, a pretreatment that could be distributed easily to every state and be taken immediately by a person who starts to exhibit COVID symptoms. What I'm talking about is the Nobel Prize-winning drug of ivermectin, a drug that was used for over 40 years before COVID came into existence. Leaders within government, big pharmaceutical companies, and mainstream media all worked very hard and in concert with each other to discredit and devalue that drug. They pushed the idea that the novel virus had no possible solution in place and that only a newly created experimental injection using mRNA for the very first time could be the answer an experimental injection that was branded a vaccine and was touted as being very safe and effective. It's as simple as black and white. You're vaccinated, you're safe, you're unvaccinated, you're at risk. Simple as that. Here is Robert Kennedy Jr. 
on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about why this course of action and only this course of action was the route taken by those in power. I saw the CNN thing where they made my face yellow and said I was taking <laughs> horse medication, which is that the most it's, to say that and to repeat that over and over again is such a clear indication that they conspired. It's such a because it's this it's uniform. It's horse dewormer uniform. A medication that's used far more often on human beings. It's been prescribed for billions. Yeah, it's insane. And the uh, fact and that won, and won the Nobel Prize for for efficacy in humans. Yeah, in humans. Yeah, it was wild. It was just but wild. They had, to they had to do it. They had to discredit ivermectin because you know why? Because there is a federal law. The federal law, the emergency use authorization statute, says that you cannot issue you cannot issue an emergency use authorization to a vaccine if there is an existing medication that has been approved for any purpose that ha- that is demonstrated effective against the target illness so they had to destroy ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and discredit it and they had to tell everybody it's not effective because if they had acknowledged that it's effective in anybody the whole $200 billion vaccine enterprise would have collapsed. Senator Rand Paul still maintains that the COVID-19 virus was part of a lab leak in China and that the Chinese Communist government engaged in a cover-up that hampered the rest of the world in responding properly to COVID. However, a Texas doctor has a whole nother take on that. Dr. Peter McCullough is a well-respected and highly published cardiologist, and immunologist speaking recently about global leaders across the board, not just the Chinese Communist Party. This is a syndicate. It's a carefully organized syndicate. They've been meeting together in Davos, Switzerland for years on this. And everybody is in on it that you can see uh, uh, in places of wealth and authority in the world. This complex has figured out that in the setting of a medical emergency, in getting the worldwide impetus behind this, that doors of treasuries of governments all over the world will open and money will pour out into the complex. The complex will invest in itself. The complex will co-opt and collude with anybody they need to accomplish this goal, and they will reward those people with future jobs in the complex. The complex is at the top, we believe, the World Health Organization, the Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, the Rockefeller Foundation, the World Health Organization, UN, Gavi, Unitaid, CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, formed by Gates and World Economic Forum, all the regulatory agencies. And I could just go all through them from the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, the TGA, the MHRA, uh, SAFRA and South Africa. They've got them all. And you know the complex is active by just watching the movement. Scott Gottlieb is one of my contemporaries, former FDA commissioner. He's in the complex. He's on the board of Pfizer now. His predecessor, Stephen Hahn, who was very active as I was active in the early parts of the pandemic, now works for the venture capital firm supporting and funding Moderna. Recently, a high-ranking official in the UK in the medical response just joined Moderna itself. Deborah Burks, remember her, the scarf lady who's in the... uh, Yes, she's now CEO of a biotech company. 
you know, from a, being a public health official. You can see what's happening. The complex is operative. Gates Foundation invested just a few million in BioNTech, and they got out billions, millions to billions. Those of you in the room who like money, you would like this. It is a money orgy right now. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 